This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. It's the day after Galaxy Unpacked, and I have my good friend Anobong here, Thundery of Board at Work. Hi, Anobong, how are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been a while. We need to talk about some Galaxy things today. Yes, right? we do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you and I both have some of the devices. I have a Galaxy S22 Ultra right here and a Galaxy S22 Plus, a pink one, as a matter of fact, pink and gold. And so I'm reviewing those for hot hardware. Those of you who are curious, you'll see a review there in a few days. And they sent you some stuff too, right? Yes, I got the S22 Ultra, which I have in my hand. And uh, I have the S22 Plus, which Daniel has right now, but both are in the house. Awesome. So you're pretty much ready to talk about this. Oh, yeah. Do you want to start with the Ultra? I saw your video. You did a, a kind of a first impression video. I thought it was really awesome. A lot of what you said, I agree with. So what's your take? So it's an interesting one because um, my take is now kind of blended with some of my friends. So I have a lot of friends who are Note users, diehard Note users. Right. And out of four of them, one has decided to go from the from the Note to the S22 Plus instead of the S22 Ultra. And the other, th the other three are like, yeah, we'll get the Ultra. Uh, for me, it feels like um, that amalgamation of the S line and the Note line, more of a Note than an S. And my buddy said, look, he felt like the design was a bit lazy. Really? It's interesting because I actually love the kind of pure and clean design. First of all, I'm a huge fan of the note design language. So yeah. if you look at this, really, the best way to me, for me to describe this phone is to say it is a Galaxy Note 20 Ultra with the Galaxy S21 Ultra camera systems and a new aesthetic camera pod design, which I think is really nice and minimalistic and really fits well with this Galaxy Note 20 Ultra design language. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. It's clean, kind of like the LG Velvet, you know, that that kind of like waterfall, teardrop, whatever they call that, you know. Yeah, no, it, I definitely agree with you. I think those design languages mirrored together. I, I think maybe for some people, it's the idea that they were looking for a different design language change. But to me, this is, you know, this is technically the second or almost third year of this, this design language from Samsung. So usually it's three years before you move on to something, something else. But I, I, I like the design. I like the fact that the S Pen is back. Granted, Samsung didn't really add too many new features to the S Pen. I do like the improved uh, accuracy and sensitivity of the S Pen. It just feels much better. Oh yeah, it's much nicer. It feels much nicer on there. So I just love it overall. Like I feel like you know, it's just I don't know. There's something like t it's just it's a note to me. It's just a note. It, you know, and it you know what it just is? makes me happy. It, it's it's an old friend. That's all. It's an old friend. I think you're right. You know, I had to pull out my Note 20 Ultra and compare them because I thought this was bigger. I'd forgotten how big they are. 
because you know, I didn't realize I put it also next to my S21 Ultra and the S21 Ultra is actually smaller. I was like, what? Like, I really didn't think that I thought they're going to be the same size and it's actually bigger than an S21 Ultra and it's bigger than a Pixel 6 Pro, which as we all know is a big phone. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a, an iPhone 13 Pro Max here, but- Oh, it's bigger. The, yeah, it is. But I think the if you look at, if you put it side by side with the Note 20 Ultra, they like from the front, you couldn't tell them apart. No, 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 you can't. Like uh, even the S Pen in the same slot, I believe, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think for them it was it was just bringing back some of that, um, just the memories, because yesterday there was a lot of excitement, um, and I could tell, at least from just you know uh, dealing with some of my followers and commenting, Note users were like, ah, oh, finally, yes, we we can buy the device that we love as opposed to uh, having something like the S21 Ultra, which was a, it was a pseudo hybrid of sorts. It was like, it kind of can give you the same features, but not, not really the same. Yeah, I think it was the right call. Like I always felt like the, the, once they went large with the S series, that there was a redundancy there. And the Ultras, I mean, the S Ultras, the 20 and the 21 were kind of redundant. And I mean, it was all created at a time before supply chain issues. And and so, you know, it does make sense now to kind of put them together. I just wish I'd called it the Note. I think they should have called it the Galaxy S22 Note. Like this would be the merging of the two brands because the Note brand, I think, is much stronger than the S brand or the Ultra brand. No, I, I do agree. I think maybe the, I agree with that. I, maybe they could have called it the Galaxy S22 Ultra N or something like that. Because I yeah. get I get the idea where they don't want to bring a brand that they're, they're you know, killing off or, or putting away. But just giving something that goes like, okay, this is the end. We get it. We understand where, where it's coming from. But, you know, I think it all depends on what happens with the Galaxy Fold series and what happens there. Because Samsung's, you know, thought process is now split in a very different direction where foldables is one thing, but still a lot of those Note capabilities will be going into foldables as well. So I think it all depends on how they look at at those markets um, as they look at the S line moving forward. Absolutely. So it's interesting to me that this has the exact same camera system as the S21 Ultra, like pretty much. I mean, there's obviously software changes, right? And that's fair. But as far as I can tell, paper, it's the same stuff, right? Is it? No, it's not. It's um, so the, the only thing that's the same is the ultra wide. The 108 megapixel sensor is has it's a different sensor. It's still so it's a newer sensor. It's a newer sensor. It's still 108. Uh, the um, periscopic zoom is also it's 10x. It's it's a newer one as well. Um, and so they've changed that 10 megapixel sensor in the three and the 10x zooms. Yeah. So they've they've changed those. It's just that they just using a newer version of you know the same okay. megapixel size. But so basically, I mean. How can they go wrong at this point? Like, I think this is going to, I mean, for my few tests so far, it's been great. And I think it's going to continue being great, but it doesn't seem to be quite as big a change as the S22, which we're going to talk about, because I think that is a big improvement on paper, at least, right? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I think with the, the 22 and the 22 plus, because they have the same camera systems, um, that 50 megapixel jump really was needed, uh, mm-hmm. especially for what Samsung does with the imaging. Um, and also, 
you know, just the, the whole camera systems there. I think that's a huge improvement. It, I mean, fun- the fact that they dropped the the stupid 64 megapixel 1.1x optical cropped you know the sensor bs there to me that's that's like you know i always felt like the fan editions had better telephotos than the uh that 64 megapixel barely zoom cropped sensor and now we're back to a real optical 3x you know i think that's good Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the fan edition got the best of what the Ultra or at least the the model from the year before had. So right. they, they always put that in there. And I think, you know, this year they really had to come, you know, they almost had to come correct with the S22 and the 22 Plus just because of how late the fan edition was, number one, uh, and also having a baseline that would compete very well because Samsung's competition this year is very different. It's not just the iPhone anymore per se. It's it's all the other Android manufacturers, whether it's, you know, Oppo, who we will talk about. Um, and um, The and, rise of Oppo. And, and you know, Xiaomi and the rest of them. So I think yep. it's, it's something that they had to go, at least our base has to be very tangible for people to, to actually move forward with. I agree 100%. Just to say that overall, I'm very happy with the camera systems. I think this is, you know, slightly improved S21 Ultra on the S22 Ultra is great and definitely big changes that I I think were necessary and are going to make a difference on the S22 and S22 Plus. What about the S22 and S22 Plus design? I think there's some interesting things going on there. At first, it just looks kind of like last year with that, you know, camera pod that's very iconic, that is now very Samsung and in people's minds. But if you look closely, for me, what stands out a lot is that this is a flat glass back. There's no more of that kind of rolling the glass back into the edges of the phone. And you have more of like iPhone-like slab edge. I mean, they're round, but not as rounded as anything from Samsung before. And I'm not sure. I've got a pink one, and I don't mind the color pink, as you very well know. But I feel like it, it's its not doing it for me. It, it just feels... I kind of like the previous design better. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm so I, I haven't spent too much time with that just because I've been doing a lot of stuff on the 22 Ultra. Ultra, but, yeah. But, but here was my first impression. So when I held the Ultra, I went, I'm hope. Yeah, it was was so good. Right? It was that. When I held the S22 Plus, I went, huh. You know, your description is kind of right in the sense that it felt a little iPhone-ish. But the one thing I will say is that I actually picked up my iPhone right after, and I was like, I prefer the way it felt on the Galaxy still. Um, so it still felt comfortable. I did like the, because it's a 22 Plus, it was much larger, so I liked the size. Yeah, yeah. But I think... One of the things about it is because they didn't change the camera module at the back, it looks stale. And this is, it's always, it's really funny because if you look at it from the other side, Apple does this at least for two, three years where it stays the same. But Samsung always has to change. Or Samsung has been changing so much that people are used to. Every galaxy looks different. Now that you have two galaxies kind of look the same, everyone's kind of going, this is a bit pale. You know, like this kind of looks the same. What I'm very impressed, though, is looking at the front of the S22 and 22 Plus is how little bezel there is on that flat screen and how the curvature is a perfect match between the, you know, the actual screen curve and the 
edge, the chassis curve, which as you know, Xiaomi and a bunch of other Android manufacturers just throw out the window all the time and it looks so wrong. So it's very Apple in that sense. There's that level of attention to detail that I'm really appreciating. But overall, then, you know, if you if you look at the sides of it, if you compare it to the S21, the S21's camera pod was completely integrated with the side rails. Mm -hmm. Like it was one piece that molded over. And of course, with the uh, S21 Fan Edition, it's cheaper, so they separate. Like you can see it's a separate part, right? It doesn't yeah. blend in. And on this S22 and S22 Plus, I feel that they're cheapening out there because yes, the camera pod is still metal, but it's not the same piece of metal as the frame chassis. So it, there's a gap there, and it's it's very, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a beautifully made phone. The fit and finish build quality on these phones, ultra included, are top-notch. But, you know, it's Samsung. I expect, like, Apple levels of perfection here. I mean, I, I, w I would agree. I, I mean... The, there's nothing I can see in the defense for that in the sense that um, the only thing I can think of is because of supply issues, maybe they tweak the design just a bit to make it easier for them as opposed to, I mean, who knows uh, at this point, but. I mean, it's probably manufacturing ease, right? But I yeah. just like, it's just, you know, it's a little stuff like that. You're like, ah, you know, I just showed it, by the way, uh, folks, those of you watching on video uh, can check it out. Remember, folks, there's a Patreon. I'm just going to squeeze that in here. Patreon.com slash tankgirl, patreon.com slash tnkgrl with a bunch of tiers, including a video version of the podcast. You get it before the audio version and you get it less edited. So more raw, more real yes. visuals. So check it out if you haven't yet. But yeah, look, I think overall... Yeah. I'm I'm happy with these phones. I just like design-wise, language, I think you know, we can talk about the branding and we can talk about these little details. That's because that's who we are, right? But I think the average person who needs a new Samsung phone right now cuz I don't see any S21 people updating to an S22. Maybe the ultra people, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're kind of early adopter tech savvy, they like the best and the greatest, but I think people who are maybe on an S20 right now or an S10 right now I'm gonna get like very happy with this phone. Oh yeah, I, I I just one of my friends actually just upgraded, and he was he was asking me about the SD card slot on the S22, and I was like, it's gone. Ouch. But yeah, he hasn't updated across the board, folks. He hasn't updated his device in what two and a half years, almost three, something like that. So yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, sorry man, it's it's gotta go uh, for these devices, but. You know, I think I think what it is is that this is a very comfortable upgrade for a lot of people, and I think Samsung has created a device that once you, once we see what they have next year in the twenty threes and the twenty fours or whatever numbers you know we have, um, it's going to be very drastic. And I think this is the last of that comfortable stage because our industry is one where parity is is something that you know is cut across the board. So they have to do something different. I think this is their comfortable stage of saying, we're going to give the consumers something that they can, you know, carry around and go like, yeah, this is my phone. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think uh, on in another direction in terms of the, you know, the experience here, I think that I haven't really played it with the uh, OS too much yet because I tend to skin my phones to look like pixels. I mean, not, copies of pixels but i use i immediately put nova launcher on every samsung phone because there's only one reason i can't handle scrolling sideways in the app uh, tray i need to scroll vertically 
So I immediately changed the launcher and I, and I use, <laughs> I know it's petty, right? And then I use, uh, I use, of course, a Gboard as my, so I'm not getting quite the full, you know, new experience that they're bringing on. So I could kind of care less, honestly. I think it's good enough. It's not my flavor. Like I'm much more of a Oxygen, Pixel, Moto, Sony kind of raw, you know, uncluttered stock Android person. But eh, I'm okay. How about you? Um, I I like the Samsung UI more than anything okay. else. Just, just because before Pixel UI got to where it was, Samsung was one of the first people, remember, with CyanogenMod making updates to the UI for all the new features. So I'm kind of used to it right now at this point. But, I mean, uh, I think the UI, the UI is very fluid. It's fast. It's very responsive. And um, in terms of changes, I really don't look at that stuff anymore. I just kind of just want to use the phone. But you mentioned something I wanted to ask you. Have you tried ProRaw yet? Not yet. Because I know you just you mentioned Sony and that you know and Raw and I was like okay. Well, I, I mean, need to find I, out. I have I have tried it on iPhone. I've tried Pro Raw. I love it. I think I is isn't Samsung bringing something like that to the table here? I thought I thought that was one of the marquee things for the camera, right? Yeah, there's there's a Pro Raw here, and there's also you can actually download the app for the S twenty one Ultra. Um, oh, okay. And and use it there as well. So um, I know a few people who have, and they said it's actually been pretty. It's been pretty good experience. So. I need to test that out on the Samsungs. I've done it on the iPhone. Um, and obviously, I've, I think there's some improvements in portrait uh, mode as well, like some sort of oh. AI portrait. You, you are, you're the portrait guy, so... It is, it is so much better. So um, this is a joke that Saf and I have had with the, <laughs> the Galaxy. So with the yeah. S20 Ultra, I love the S20 Ultra's uh, portrait uh, and front-facing camera because it had more contrast, which worked well for my skin tone. Right. But if you were lighter than me, it didn't work well. Right. Um, so they, they changed that in the S21 Ultra. And then when we got this phone, I took a photo and it was a, it was a happy medium of both for me. And I, I remember texting Saf and I said, whoever they fired on the camera team that did the extra <laughs> contrast, they brought him back. And they told them you should just take it easy on the extra contrast on there because it it feels really good. They've done a really good job in in balancing skin tones much better. Um, there is still some of that softening, but I think it's it's just a it's I think that is more to do with Samsung's a Korean company. Uh, and a lot of yeah. companies in the East like the skin softening, even though the yeah. it's it's off. You can still tell it's there. It's um, still there. Yeah, it's, it's still there. It's it's not as bad as any other car, any other um, Asian manufacturer, but you can still tell it's a bit there. And the but the bokeh effect is spot on. It good, really good. is spot on this time. Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of a camera walk probably tomorrow. So that's like you know I haven't really dove into the camera too deep yet. I just kind of assume it's going to be pretty good. Um, but I, I tend to not try to be wowed too much by these, you know, features they throw at you. I kind of just want to use it and then mm -hmm. kind of go, okay, this is what it brings. And then, you know, then I'll go digging in the special stuff. And um, in terms of uh, hardware specs, you know, what's interesting to me is the displays are absolutely gorgeous as always on both the phones I have. Of course, the Quad HD Ultra is out of this world. It's probably the best display on the planet, wouldn't you say? It is. I mean, I like the naming because they call it Super AMOLED 2X. And 
it's funny because I was doing my video now and I was I, I mentioned it in the video and I looked at the camera, I was like, I really don't understand what it means, but it looks good. So I'll take the 2X as a d double the fun from last year. Yeah, or whatever it's, you it's call it. incredibly nice. I mean, it's like for me particularly, I finally used, I set up, I got the phones yesterday, did a video unboxing. I'm going to publish it. Hopefully by the time you folks listen to the podcast, you'll see a link to both Anobong's first impressions and maybe your gaming video if they're ready by then. And Should of be. course my unboxing. But know that I didn't really get a chance to try the phone in daylight until this morning. And you know, it's super sunny and warm in California right now. We're having like a, a nice little summery spell. And uh, I'm always just incredibly amazed at those high nits, this OLED displays and sunlight. It's like night and day, man. I can... <laughs> Ironically, saying that it's <laughs> night and day is funny, but like it is so clear and so good. And this adaptive thing that they've added that really adjusts the contrast and not just the brightness, but the contrast. Oh my God, just in Gmail alone, in direct sunlight, I felt like I was looking at a screen in the shade. Did you notice that? So you're talking about daylight. For me, it's Gmail at night. At night, it's at night. That's good when, too. When but I expect that that would be good because that's easy to do, right? It's like you're well, unless it's really dim. Like I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, but see, that that's usually my own situation because it never, nobody ever gets it right. Um, it's just always off. So it's the same process, but just for the adverse effect for it. And you're right too. Daytime, it is. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's one of those things where. I I always expect Samsung to do a good job with the displays in terms of manufacturing the displays, but this is probably one of, the, yeah. the, one of the best times where they've tuned it to their own devices pretty well. Yeah, and it's interesting. I didn't realize this. Like I had to look at the specs side by side. The S22 and 22 Ultra are like 0.1 inch smaller this year, turns out. So 6.1 and 6.6, .6, right? Instead of mm -hmm. 6.2 and 6.7. I had no idea. I mean, I can't tell. The Obviously, the Ultra is bigger because it's uh, note size now, which is what, 6.9 or something? It's ridiculous, right? 6.8. 6.8. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, I put it side by side with my Oppo Find N and I'm like, maybe I don't need the folding phone. Like, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, in terms of screen real estate, you're not getting that much more. But um, the other thing that I find interesting, and this is obviously not an S22 specific thing, but it's interesting how, remember two years ago, we were having these conversations and the Galaxy S20 had just come out and all three of them were quad HD, even the small one. Mm -hmm. And here we are with 1080p on the S22 and 22 plus and of course 1080p on the s21 and 21 plus last year i don't think it's a problem i don't mind there's plenty of resolution there but it's interesting how these are the little things that you know sam's i think samsung's learning that it's not just about the specs anymore like you can save some money here because nobody's really gonna care i don't think oh yeah absolutely i think i think for them the fe was the first thing that helped that because the fe doesn't have a, a qhd display it's it's full hd plus right right and, and then a lot of the you know um asian manufacturers have come in with that full hd plus at a lower price range so they've come to realize that you know as long as they can tune their displays the way they tune so it always looks good it doesn't matter at that point because then no. the consumer is going to go they all look the same. Now, people like us will go, mm, maybe not. This is a little here and there. You want to hear something really funny, Hannibal? I uh, fired up my S21 Ultra to do the transfer, right? Because the, I usually do the transfer using Google Cloud, but 
if you have two identical brand phones, it's generally way easy to use their tools. Yeah. So I use their, you know, whatever they call it, the quick transfer tool or whatever. And I'm fired up. And as I'm comparing the settings, you know, I'm making sure that all the settings stuck in the transfer. And I looked through my display settings and please don't kill me for this, but my S21 Ultra was in full HD mode. No, no, I don't blame you. You know why? I don't know. I didn't even notice. I just like, I just used it. I somehow, at some point, I must have done it maybe for battery life or something. Mm-hmm. And then I just forgot. Yeah. No, so, I, I hear you on that one. I, my Mine is still on full HD+. Plus okay. And, yeah, so, so it's not just me. Good, no. good. But look, I, my eyes are not that great anyway. It's just, um, it just shows you how even if you have the ability to go, in this case, completely variable refresh from like 1 hertz to 120 and you know, resolution up to QHD. For me, I'm going to probably stick with the lower res and the higher refresh rate if I've given it a choice, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 and gaming performance in one sec. But before we do, let's talk about some things like storage options, power, charging and stuff. Interestingly, the batteries are small on the S22 um, and plus this year than last year. I think it's 3,700 on the 22 and 45, I want to say, on the... 22 plus i need to look it up i think it's slightly less than 45 because there was some hubbub on that but i know the 22 you're correct on the 22 the point is that it's interesting that they made the battery a little smaller i guess the phones are tiny slightly smaller too but most importantly we have 45 watt charging finally now on the ultra and the plus and 25 watt is probably good enough for the smaller battery on the 22 mm-hmm. and then 15 watt wireless and 4.5 reverse wireless so it's got all the all the features except micro sd and headphone jack really i mean oh oh wi-fi 6e on the ultra and the plus and then it's just six on the 22 and then the other thing that also ultra wideband is missing on the 22 not that that matters unless you have a bmw and you want to keep the, use the key feature yeah i mean i think I think those features are all kind of standard approach. The one thing was, of course, always the charging, um, because it's really funny how Samsung used to be the company that used to spearhead faster charging, uh, and then they were left in the dust by everybody else other than Apple. So uh, it's it's good to see it's at forty five. It's it's interesting that and I'm not sure how the pre orders went because I know I think in Europe they had to offer. If you pre-ordered, you you get the forty-five watt charger as part of like your pre-order package. Oh, cool! Yeah, but in the US, I knew you could you could select it too, but I'm not sure how how it went because that's the thing that a lot of at least a lot of people have you know kind of just messaged me and like, what charger should I pick up? Because now I have to get a forty-five watt charger and right. things and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I charge mine with uh, a Huawei sixty-five watt laptop charger PD, and it charged really fast. So I think it's a perfectly pd compliant setup that they have here yeah i don't think it's using any tricks which is nice you know when you compare it to like all of bbk group vivo oppo oneplus realme are all using their proprietary thing still xiaomi is the same way it's actually worth with bbk because vivo has a separate system from realme oppo and oneplus they're not compatible um and then xiaomi has their own thing and then huawei has their own thing you know, PD is PD. Like, I just, I appreciate that Samsung didn't mess around with that. Like, it might not be going full 45 watt PD, but it's definitely, I mean, it was, I should put my little watt measuring thing Thing. between them because it was definitely charging 
very rapidly. I'm pretty sure it was doing 30 or 40 watts with the 65 watt PD. Oh yeah, it definitely was. I, I was using the, um, um, I got a 100 watt uh, PD charger from, um, I can't remember the company, but uh, Qualcomm sent it to me last year. I used, oh, yeah. I used it, I plugged it in. By the time I looked at it again, it was almost at a hundred percent. So it it's it's fast enough, I think. And I think that's probably a healthy place to stay. There's no need for these to the crazy numbers. I know a company's coming up with a hundred and twenty watt charger very yeah. soon. Um but, I mean I the Mi eleven T Pro. Yes, yes, has one hundred twenty. Uh, or Xiaomi eleven T Pro, like what was in September, October I reviewed for a geek spin, 120 watt charging. It was insane. 17 minutes, zero to 100. <laughs> How to fry your battery. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think they, they manage it well. It's probably okay. But I'm just, who needs that? I mean, it's nice, yes. But I think anything that gives you a days full of charge, like, you know, but most phones today are what? Two-day phones, most of them, right? Mm -hmm. And the bigger ones, right? So the Ultra is what? 5,000 milliamp hour? Yeah. Right, so that's going to last you two days of normal use. So if you can get half of that in 15, 20 minutes, I think that's the sweet spot. Like you, and that's, I think, about, that's about, we're talking about somewhere between 35, 30 and 60 watt. Is two watts. This, so 45 is like smack dab in the middle. Well done, Samsung. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think the only thing I can think of is because I'm from Nigeria and we have a lot of power outages over there. And... That is where a 120 watt charger makes sense. Well, yeah, right. Because you you know that in 15 minutes, in case the power goes out, your phone's fully charged. You're, you're covered. Yeah, yeah type so, of thing, yeah. for sure. We'll talk about Infinix in a minute too, because they're a very popular brand in Africa. I think in Nigeria. As oh well, yeah, so. huge, huge. So storage, we have eight gigs of RAM on the 22 and the 20 plus. We have. I think 128 or 256 on those, which is fine. I kind of think that without micro SD for the plus, maybe a 512 would be good for those people who need a little more oomph. But, oh my God, the S22 Ultra up to one terabyte, right? Like mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. And up to, what is it? 12 gigs of RAM. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's solid. One of the good things at least they did, I saw yesterday, um, I heard rumors initially and I thought they weren't going to do it, but if you, they offered the, the, the 12, 256 at the same price as the 8, 112. Oh, nice. It's for pre-orders. So I think that was, that was a good thing where at least you could just jump up to the size that everybody needs, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, if you're pre-ordering the device. Right now, I'm a happy camper with, like, I think 256 is my sweet spot. 120 that I can live with. Anything less than that is garbage. But um, but it didn't used to be that way, you know? Uh, do you remember when you had phones with 8 gigs of storage on them? Don't remind me. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. Now, I mean, it's funny. It's ironic that we have more cloud storage than ever, right? We have more connectivity than ever. These phones, all three of them have millimeter wave 5G. And and here we are. Oh, I need I need five. I think I need five twelve. Yeah, I need I need five twelve. Right. Of course, because <laughs> we we never we never put up to cloud. And no, we we don't delete anything either. Yeah, and then you know when you want to check something when you you're in a, in a terrible cell area and then you can't pull it down from the cloud. That's when of course you're like, this is yeah. just a waste of my time. Hundred percent. So let's talk about the performance because look, 
I have barely, I've, I've played with another Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 phone that I've benchmarked that I can't officially talk about right now. So I have some ideas of what to expect in real life. What are you seeing with the S22 Ultra? I haven't run my benchmarks on it yet. I, I need to run benchmarks for hot hardware. It's not something I'm into, but I did watch your video, which I'll put in the show notes because I think it's very interesting how you basically use GameBench and ran a whole bunch of different games. And, you know, take us through this because I think the takeaway is really interesting. Yeah, so uh, the first time I ran... Um where I worked with Snapdragon 8, uh, 8 Gen 1 was the OnePlus 10 Pro. And the performance there is very different from the S22 Ultra. Um, I would say the S22 Ultra has been solid except one game, which is Genshin Impact, which oh, for, yeah. for some reason it's performing worse than what I did last year. Although I recently, I, I went back to my S21 Ultra, I played the game and I was getting the same results. So there is something that Snapdragon needs to do to update with the game to make sure that it performs well because the performance was good. I think they did an update in the game. It is not. The thing I would say, though, is the CPU and GPU usage is very interesting. So because the GPU is improved on uh, HN1, you will find GPU usage much higher. And mm -hmm. CPU usage has really dropped. Some games have dropped down to like 7% wow. CPU usage, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's really taking that, you know, PC approach of you got to have a better GPU, might as well use it to, to run those games uh, well. The other thing is also battery consumption. So last year, gaming on either the S21 Ultra or the even the S21 Plus uh, was fine, but bat it would suck out your battery. It would throttle very quickly. Yeah. I remember that. This does a much better job. So I spent the whole of yesterday, I spent last night to like maybe uh, from like 9 p.m. to like 3 a.m. in the morning, just, just wow. you know, playing different games and seeing how it, it actually performs. Um, one, one, I'll just give you like a time frame. So I played for like two hours. I played three graphically intensive games in between that period. Now, GameBench tells me that my battery drain should be between 24% to 35% per hour. Uh-huh. So, which means if I'm playing in two hours, I should be down to 60% maximum, yeah. you know, or so. In two hours, I lost about 20 to 20, sorry, 25 to 30% battery. So, huh. it did much better than what... I was expecting, and it did much better than what I got last year. And it kind of reminded me of something I saw with Dave 2D, where Dave 2D also had his video, and he was saying that- Yeah, I watched that, yeah. With, that it, it does a better job running the games the way it should be run, as opposed to benchmarking the games. Yeah. Which is a good And place. also could be the benchmarks, you know, are not optimizing on the new architecture as well. That's the other thing, you know? True. Um, you know, we still run at hard hardware, some really old, like- GLES 3.0 and 3.1 benchmarks. And I'm like, like, why? Because it's almost seems silly because we get better frame rates, but you're not really optimizing for the changes in GPU architecture that have come about. You're not mm -hmm. optimizing for all the NPU and AI stuff that's happening in games now. So, you know, it's still it's still a good baseline, but I think it's evolving. And I think you're right. Real life testing is becoming 
a lot more critical in the same way as I've always felt very strongly about just using a phone and, you know, kind of like, you know, the Kogan way, you know, a day in the life of the Galaxy S22 Ultra comes home up. Oh, we, we're down at 27%. This is it, you know, normal day for me. And I think that's, it's obviously not very objective because everybody's got a different use pattern, right? And of mm-hmm. course, if you're testing a phone, like you were doing games a lot, I we doing lots of photos like Kogan. And it's like, not everybody does that, but I think it gives you a good baseline if you hammer on some way at the thing to see what the battery life is going to be like, right? That is that is very true. And I think um, I think that's correct because those patterns differ. And also you have the mixture of what am I doing throughout the day? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, you know, am I checking email in the morning? And by the time I go outside, because it's sunny, even though I never take video, this is a great day to take video. You know, those are the kind of things that we can't calculate. But I think it's, I think most of these devices now are built more for that, day-to-day real life. It kind of reminds me of the the M1 chip in the sense that the M1 performs very well, but if you really were to look at it as a a number cruncher, it's not built that way. It's built to be able to use and use for a very long, effective amount of time. And that's what I think, I think Qualcomm is trying to do the same thing where it's giving you a chip that is just more efficient for what you needed to do as opposed to just crunching numbers out there yeah 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 you're looking at more and a kind of a stretched uh snapshot rather than looking at a you know let's look at the next five minutes of this most benchmarks even less than that so that's why i like to run the stress test in um 3d mark wildlife because i actually get to see how the cpu you know throttles down over a period of time uh it's a 20 minute long test and usually at about between five and seven minutes most processors kind of call it a day and throttle down like a certain percentage, right? And mm-hmm. the, uh, the 888 was pretty um, it's pretty bad at that <laughs> compared to the 865. But so far, I mean, again, I don't really have too many data points, but it seems to be okay. But I think this is also highly dependent on how they create the cooling system in the phone, right? So everybody's going to have a different approach. Like, you know, I'm sure that Red Magic is going to make a phone soon and it'll have a fan and it'll be really great at not throttling, right? Yeah. Because of it. Yeah. So, I mean, look, overall, I'm pretty excited with this. I think um, it's very evolutionary in many ways, but at the same time, what do you expect? I mean, if you, you know, you talk to the OnePlus 10 Pro and it's very evolutionary, right? So, you know, you can't be mad about that, but at the same time, I wish it, yeah, I do wish it was a little more exciting, you know, like, and I, I kind of think that's, why I'm excited about some of the leaks and rumors that are coming up from Oppo and others, right? Because, you know, like for example, in-body stabilization for for optics, we haven't seen that yet on any Android phone. I, I can't wait for that to happen. I want to see that happening. But no, we do. The v- Vivo does have in-body. Oh, you're right. The Vivo, yeah. the 70 Pro Plus, right? Plus, the yeah. X70 Pro. Okay, so that's happened already. But I'm talking about like something we can easily get in the US, the US right? Yeah. I'm obviously, you know. I have a feeling that we're going to see more, but it's not going to be something sold here, unfortunately. But True. I kind of want to see more of that happening. You know, I'm a bit bummed that the OnePlus 10 Pro has kind of decreased the performance of its ultra wide and stayed with the same main sensor as last year. 
Um, I don't know. That seems that seems like a bummer to me. But uh, you have one. I don't. So you know. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I will put it this way. I am. Uh, I was disappointed in the device. So as we just mentioned, the S22 Ultra is an evolutionary step. This was the. This was almost like de-evolving back, even though it is slightly better. It's just the the incremental the the increase is so so minute that it doesn't feel like I'm getting a better device because rumors are we're getting an ultra. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that on last week with uh, Joshua on the so, JV. Um. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it, it it means that what we got was a, a one plus ten not a OnePlus 10 Pro. You know, it's more and more looking like that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I hope the pricing, it's really up to the pricing. It, I'm not unhappy with the 10 Pro being so evolutionary and in some ways degraded if it costs, you know, like 800 bucks or 750, then it's fine. Like, go for it, right? But uh, let's see what happens. This is a big, the big challenge this year. So speaking of BBK Group, we've got a bunch of stuff. I want to... Maybe uh, jump into some of the Oppo stuff right now because sure. I'm curious. I'm getting an Oppo Reno 7 Pro. It's coming. And I want to know what your thoughts are on this because it's a hot-looking little number. And um, yeah, you have one. You did a video. I'll put it up. What do you think? I mean, it's, it's an interesting device. Um, I, I personally have lost the taste for the Reno line. Because yes. of how they've diluted it over the last couple of years, it's um, coming back a bit though. the The six Pro was pretty damn solid. It had OIS again 10. and metal frame and glass back. And then I think this seven Pro looks pretty hot to me, but I could be wrong. No, the seven Pro design wise, it, it looks great. I like the notification mm -hmm. ring and la around the camera module itself. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's actually pretty nice. Design is pretty solid. Um, it it runs really well. I think as a device though. My only, because when I was briefed, I wasn't given a price point. And even I, even now, I still don't know what, where it's truly priced at. I can't really gauge it to say, okay, Oppo, where you put in this device price-wise. Because for certain things, in terms of performance-wise and camera, I go, okay, this is a $500 phone. And right. and then in certain things I go okay this is this actually feels more uh, mid to high premium you know you could go seven hundred dollars and then sometimes I go this is like a three hundred dollar phone as well so <laughs> I've got I've gotten the the like the array of emotions around it where I'm not exactly sure what they want to do with it and I and I feel like they they need to look back and take the approach that even Samsung has taken with the FE and go. We have to just designate an area for this device because I think the the Oppo Reno is is a solid line, but I think it just needs to, to know what is its lane, where is it going for? Because more we know focus, yeah, more focus. Because yeah, because once we have that, I think it, it's just more stabilized. But design wise, and and what Oppo has been doing just visually on their devices has been solid. So I think it's one of those where it will get people's attention. Um, it all depends on how how you know, the usability cuts across the board. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, the Reno line started out really like affordable flagship premium mid-ranger, you know, with with like metal and glass and OIS and high-end features. And then it turned into a plastic fantastic 
you know, design-wise, it's always been very cool with cool colors and cool patterns. And, and the specs have always been decent, but like design-wise, they just dropped the ball on the materials and the prices didn't really go down. I don't know if you saw, like, I, I'm particularly pointing my finger at the, the, the Reno 4 and 5 series here, which were mm-hmm. all plastic and not that cheap. And it felt like as Realme was coming in, they didn't want to you know, upset that and they kept the prices high somehow. But then they're learning now that I think you can't play that game. People expect more. So um, at least on the Reno 6 Pro, which I have, uh, the Snapdragon 870 version that has OIS, that has metal frame and glass back, it's solid, it's well-made, it feels like a almost pseudo-flagship, a premium phone. But is this 7 Pro made of plastic or glass or metal? What is the, what is the materials on that? Oh, my God. They, they actually sent me this thing that showed the four layers of build. It is... Uh, oh, I saw that in your video. Is that, so is that glass? It, it is glass. It's different layers of glass that they actually used, uh, or different treatment levels, sorry, that they actually use for it. And it really feels solid. Like, it feels like a device that... Um, you would like to hold. It is also very iPhone-esque because it could stand on its own. It's got the same level of just, you know, flatness to it as well. So thanks for showing us. Hopefully I get the nice color because the black is the, I, I just, you know, the, the Xiaomi and BBK group phones that are, have black finishes to me just, just don't look, good enough like not refined enough i like that samsung and apple somehow still managed to pull off black okay the oppo fine n in our black is really nice, nice. too yeah. but i just kind of want those blues and those reds and those greens and those you know funky colors i just like them better mm-hmm. so that's kind of what i'm hoping we're gonna get uh when i get my review unit like the same color as you is the frame metal on this it feels like it's metal, but I do not want to say it's metal because yeah, it's it's usually it's the antenna bands that give it away. Um, and do you know if the camera is OIS on this? Because that's another thing that it's coming back now. There's some phones that are much more affordable that are starting to bring OIS back, which I'm really happy to see. I'm... I mean, Samsung and Apple have been pretty good about it, but. Others have dropped, you know? Mm, I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember if it is. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, is I, every, anyone in the BBK group, please stop stop capping your front-facing cameras at 1080p. Oh, my God. No, but this is, this is not just BBK. This is Xiaomi as well. That's true, yeah. It's, I mean, you have to go, like, flagship to get 4K if you're lucky on these phones. And it's like, why? Like, Why? Especially Oppo, who was known as the selfie king for the longest time, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, there are rumors of the Oppo Find X5 Pro yeah. basically telling us everything we need to know about the cameras. We have duals IMX 766s last year. Okay. And I think there's like potentially a 13 megapixel telephoto, but no microscope anymore. So it's an evolution. Again, it's like the, you know, it's like the OnePlus 10 Pro in some ways where it's like they've kind of carried over things. At least they've not devolved it um, from what it looks like. Um, but, you know, these are camera specs. And the, the big news in the leak was that they're using their own ISP. So that's what I'm more excited about because... Oh, yes, yes. Right? So what are we going to see here? Are we going to see the hardware being almost the same, but then the software, the processing really bringing on the goodness? Who knows? I mean, well, I mean, they did... Isn't this the same ISP they announced with the Oppo Find N uh, in December? 
Yeah, it's called uh, Mary Silicon X. Yes, yes. I mean, I mean, I think it's a it's a good thing uh, that they are trying to you're trying to do that because it all depends on. If I'm not mistaken, the rumors there's a rumor I saw at least a few weeks back that says the upper find. Find X5 would have the Dimensity 9000, and then the, that's right. Then the Pro yep. will have the Snapdragon uh, 8 Gen 1. So yep. having the same that ISP ensures that the imaging stays the same for both devices, and you don't 100%. get you don't get the Samsung issue where it was a few years back where Exynos was kind of washed out, and and Snapdragon looked kind of better in terms of images. So, I mean, if they're going to go that route, then I say yes, it definitely would be good. Plus, they can tailor it more to to meet audiences much better. So, um, I'm all for that. It's interesting because this leak, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's basically a Android police link, but it's in multiple places that I found it. This leak says it's a 5X zoom on the 13 megapixel Tello, but I, I, I look at it and looks it looks like a it doesn't have a periscope. It doesn't have a folded lens. So I really don't think it's going to be 5X. Um, my gut is going to be like 3X, 3X. or something, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. But, you know, look, I'm more excited about the the whole custom silicon ISP and what that's going to result in really at this point, you know, because it's like, hey, like, I love that the fact that we're starting to see, you know, like the Pixel with Tensor and like we're starting to see these custom versions of parts of the soc being farmed out or the entire soc being custom you know yeah i mean i think it it makes sense for depends on how big you grow um you know samsung has always had its own isp and its own chip for a while it's just that you know we never really think of it that way Um, so it always makes sense and since you know the fight for number three in the market space is between Google and everybody else. Uh, everybody has to find its own competitive advantage. Yes, you could use a Snapdragon chipset, but you know certain things you want to keep in house. Whether it's the ISP, the APUs, the MPUs, those kind of things, where you can go, okay, fine, we can just create these little parts. And Qualcomm, since your chip can talk to anything, that's great. You know, let us do what we can do well here. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't think the Oppo Find N, the little foldable, has the Mary Silicon. No, I don't think so. I thought I thought it was. Didn't they have a bigger folding phone before that? No, this is their first. This is their first. There was definitely a phone announced with the Mary Silicon, though. You're right. Or was it? Oh no, wait. It was Vivo, right? Vivo has custom silicon for their ISP. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. So anyway, we'll see. The bottom line is I'm excited about the custom ISP stuff. Sorry, I, I don't know. I'm a nerd. I, I also love Oppo's um, color science. And so this is supposed to be a Hasselblad branded phone, the Fine X5 Pro. And so like, does that make you cringe? Because so far we really haven't seen that deliver. And I really hope they don't mess with Oppo's color science, please and thank you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Hasblad um, partnership has not. Okay, you you know this very well. If we just go back in memory lane, remember the Huawei P10, and then yes. the partnership with the with um, uh, Leica for the P20 line, and how mm-hmm. the imaging changed so drastic in one generation, and we all fell in love with it. And yes, there was fine tuning. There were things they needed to do to fix. I agree mm. with that, but there was such a huge leap in 
in in change, whether you liked it or not, you appreciated that they actually put some work in. This looks to me like I paid someone to sit down and stamp Hasselblad so far. Yeah. So it's interesting because the P9 from Huawei was the first with Leica branding and it really was a step up. And then the P10 was very evolutionary. And the P20, as you said, just really jumped up like a huge amount. And I think we're going to see this with BBK Group here. I think that we're at the P9, P10 stage stage of the Hasselblad branding, but slightly worse because they're only focusing on color science, not on anything else. And I think that next year or the year after, and if they don't bring that on, I'll be mad, but I'm hoping they'll bring it on, is some hardware decisions made with Leica's expertise to improve the the entire system. So, you know, slightly different sensors and lenses optimized. Like, Like basically, you know how... Back in the grand days of Huawei, when they had went ahead at all, they went to Sony and said, "We need a custom RYYB 40 megapixel sensor. Make it so, right?" And they did. That's that is so true, and you know, and so we got it right. So that's kind of what I'm hoping will happen. But you know, I don't know. Like again, you know, we've talked about this with Michael and a bunch of other folks on the podcast in the last few weeks, and it's just like this: the BBK strategy right now. You know, it's not just OnePlus. It's like even the, as you said, the Renos. It's like, I'm like, I'm trying to identify what's going on. I see some good stuff. Oppo Fine N, the, 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 uh, the Fine series has been solid. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Realme is doing kick-ass job. I think they're really doing some good stuff. It's just like, can we be more cohesive? Yes. The over- can we orchestrate and direct a little better, please? Please. Yeah, that overall strategy is feels a bit off. Um, but the individual showcases, uh, I think to me, one of the things I looked at them was I looked at what Realme was doing. I go, that is great. That is a great low entry attack to market strategy. Keep doing that. And I felt that bringing OnePlus in was the American strategy. Was, Correct. Was, exactly. Was okay. Let's. I thought it was America, like North America and Europe. Part because you know they have both there, and that was that. But no, it's it's kind of murky now because now we have China. I mean, I keep forgetting they sell these phones in China. (laughs) Yeah, but to me, it's one of those things where they have. It's it's very simple. Where you you have a market like the U.S. where there is no number three in the U.S. Google has sold a lot of pixels to um, to to get there, but Motorola is still technically number three, but nobody counts them as a number three right, right now. So you know, OnePlus has you know you, you have a parent company like Oppo, you could actually push OnePlus to be in fighting fighting distance. Plus, you still have the Indian market that you have a very big stronghold there exactly. as well. Yep, yep. Um, you know where you can now juxtaposition the Indian market to being your your OnePlus is your high end in India and your Realme is now your your lower end entry. But again, yeah. it feels like honestly, this is what's happening. They need to hire us as consultants so we can actually guide That's this. Absolutely, give me the big bucks, BBK. Come on, done, done. Pete, call me. Uh, <laughs> call Anobon. We'll work together. <laughs> We'll split the profits. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, Infinix 05G. You saw my unboxing. I don't know if they sent you one or not. Um, it's their first 5G phone. And as all Infinix phones, it's great bang for the buck. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the things that are always a bit weird about these Infinix phones is that they don't have the best software and, and they don't get updates easily. And 
you know, of course, they don't work well in the U.S. because the bands are really, really specialized Special, yeah. for Africa and Eastern Europe and other markets that they're popular in. But look, I think it's nice. It's nice to see every time I get an Infinix phone, there's something about it that delights me in some way, right? Yeah. And this phone copies the Oppo Find X3 Pro in design, but it does so without being like a complete copycat. And it does a good job. It's a it's a good looking phone. The only thing I would knock on this phone, and I've knocked on a lot of Infinix phones, is and it's because Africa doesn't have this requirement, is no NFC, so it can't use Google Pay. Uh, but then again, Moto G doesn't have NFC either, and they're like the most the number three brand in America, as you said. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, yeah. that's that's very true. I mean, I, I saw I watched the unboxing, and the thing about the thing about that device that. I really like about Infinix is every time I've got an Infinix device, there's always something fresh and different. Exactly. It just feels very different, even though it's something you know and it's familiar, you've seen before, but it's the price point, it's how it's delivered. It's even down to the packaging. They've done a really good mm-hmm. job of presentation going, this is good. And what I really like about it is, like you said, it's a very it's very popular in Africa. In Nigeria, it's very popular. I remember the first time I, unbo- I unboxed an Infinix phone, I had more Nigerians, even though I'm Nigerian, post on on that video than any of my other <laughs> right. videos because they were like, "Oh wow, this you know it's an Infinix phone." But I appreciate what they do for those kind of markets because you're coming in, you you really can't afford to spend money on a Galaxy S22 Ultra or an iPhone no. 13 Pro Max. Like there's just no right. way you're gonna do that. But then you get a device that, because you still wanna showcase what you have, right? And you can go out with your friends and they're like, oh, what's that, Infinix? Oh, okay, that that looks good. Like it looks, presentation-wise, it gives you the feeling. Plus it still has some features that, and great value, like I mean, and it's important in those markets. You yeah. get a lot for your money, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the only thing that I find to be a bit above a downer on this particular phone, other than the NFC, which really doesn't matter, is the display is an LCD, and you can tell, you know, it's yeah. IPS. It's 120 hertz, but yeah, you know, it has a lot of light bleed and and the polarization, which is a little exaggerated in my video, but it's still there, and. You know, but they made a phone this summer that I didn't mention much on the podcast, and I want to kind of squeeze it in real quick. The Infinix Pro X, I think it was, Zero X Pro. That one had an OLED, and it had 108 megapixel main sensor, like a a Samsung of some kind, with OIS, and it had a 5X folded periscope telephoto with OIS. That thing kicked butt. It was only a 4G phone. But man, it was premium. I don't remember how much it costs, but it was definitely in the three hundred dollar price point. Three hundred dollars, three like the high threes, I would say. The reason and, and the camera was really good. Like I used it, and I was just like, "Wow, look at what's coming out of this thing." Yeah, no, it, you're absolutely right. I think um, that was what I was hoping because the way they described that device is that it wasn't really a mass market device that they were creating. It was, it was kind of like this right. experimental thing. And I was hoping that was the test bed for them to to kind of get into that $300 price range and say, okay, look, we're going to use this, you know, what we did done with the, with this device and just kind of carry on forward. So um, hopefully that happens. But you're, you're right. That device really had a lot of things that like I absolutely love plus the design and like the the it the, looked so premium yeah. it felt so nice with the the back that looked like like 
galaxy stars and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah it has really like cool. that kind of sparkles or or glitter vibe going. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. And you know, I I just thought like, unfortunately, they sent to me kind of a, a little bit after the fact, so that's why I never did a video because I didn't have time. And it was you know, I try to kind of hit things under embargo more because it gives me more traffic. But this Infinix, the 5G one, you know, it's a 5G phone. It's got a Dimensity 900 in it. Uh, 920, 900, I can't remember. It's 920, I think. It's good specs. It's solid. If it had an like an OLED or just maybe a slightly nicer IPS 90 hertz instead of this very affordable 120 hertz panel, I would be like, yeah, yeah. This And of course, bands that work here, right? Yeah. And I don't think that's their, they're not interested in coming here and, you know, they don't probably don't want to dilute themselves. They're a pretty small brand, so. No, I mean, it makes sense, but um, I, I do like the fact that um, they've opened our our eyes to to their devices, at least feeding out to, yeah. to US influencers, because normally we won't get devices like this at all. It's, you'd be, it'd be, you'd be hidden somewhere. 100%. Like I had uh, somebody pop in from one of the countries they sell it in the Philippines, I think, and my comments going, oh, thanks for covering that. And I was like, you're welcome, you know. Um, I do like the idea of covering phones a little more obscure because as a smaller pub for me, you know, it makes more sense almost than trying to hit like my Galaxy S22 video is going to have no views compared to yours or anybody who published yesterday because, you know, like everybody's seen everything now. So... But I know that. So, you know, if I put like a, a weird Redmi or Realme or, or an Infinix phone up there, people are like, oh, cool. Like my Vivo V23 video has like 180,000 views on it. Like, because there was so much interest, right? Like people were like, oh, this is a phone I've been looking forward to. And I was one of the first under embargo to publish. So I was like, okay. But I didn't expect it to be that popular. So, you know. No, that's good. That, that's pretty awesome though. Let's wrap up the last quick thing. I don't know much about it, so I kind of hoping you can save me and rescue me here. The Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra 14.5 inch display on an Android tablet. Who's drunk here? Um. Okay, so so I did see it at my hands on. I did I did play with it for maybe about three minutes or so. Um, and then you throw it across the room in anger. No, no, no. See, I actually am interested <laughs> in the device because of one thing. So it has a notch because it has, it's got it's got a bigger camera sensors, and Samsung's play is Samsung's play is the same play they've had because of COVID is work from home, and I think that is a lot of where they're going with it. and maximizing Dex the best ability. I just want to game on a bigger Android tablet screen. That's just me. Ah, okay, in, got it. In general, but I do see the I do see the need. I will say this though that I talked to a few other creators who I was asking them how the affiliates were going in terms of like you know all the sales from Samsung yesterday, and a bunch of people were like, "Yeah, if you be, like a sizable amount of people bought the Tab Eight Ultra," I was like, "Huh? huh? <laughs> this is exactly the same thing." So I think there is some interest, and I think Samsung has done. They probably have done the right kind of market study to say that we just need to sell X amount mm -hmm. and get it out there. Um, and I think that's just probably what they're aiming for is that trying to fill that need with the work from home. Because it rem what I see with that is something they've done with the you know, monitors, completely different department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has the ability to connect. You can have decks to the monitor. It's got built-in uh, office in the monitor without anything. You can literally just take a keyboard wow. and mouse 
and use Office with uh, with a wireless connection. So, so it's got a little Linux box in there of some kind. Exactly. So they, they, they're trying to go on that route of saying, we'll make your work experience easier for you. And you know us at Samsung. Nice. Look, I'm, I was joking. I'm, I, I'm always for something new and different. I just personally have a hard time wrapping my head around a tablet that's... I have a hard time wrapping my head around the iPad Pro 12-inch or whatever, the big one. So, like, to me, I any tablet above 11 inches, I'm like, no, uh, just because I just don't see the point. But at the same time, some people do, and that's all that matters. The iPad makes a bit more sense because as a creator, there's some great apps, and you get the pencil, and and maybe that's another possibility. But with Android, I feel like if this, you know, is a Surface, I'd be like, okay, yeah, there's a whole bunch of, like, Photoshop and things that take advantage of it. Uh, but you're right, games, and maybe people want to watch Netflix on a bigger screen without having to use a web browser, right? It's always a better experience in the app to watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I think the last thing is, this might be the last couple of forays into pushing decks a little bit more. Um, okay. Because I because that's one of the things, so there are the couple of creators I know who cover a lot of Samsung devices. One is, her name is Tao Huen, she's based out mm-hmm. in Canada. And her Dex videos, I mean, I'm, I read the comments and people are so interested in them. Wow. Um, so it seems like there is something there where at least they're trying to go, okay, maybe we can maximize it as much as possible since Google doesn't want to do anything with Android um, tablets anyway. So we have to do some work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet, all your social media handles and everything? Yes. Uh, well, thank you again for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You're welcome. And uh, if you guys want to check out any of my content or just see me blab, it is Bored at Work, B double O R E D A T W O R K, everywhere on the web YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, websites, you name it. Just type in Bored at Work and you will find me there. That's awesome. Folks, you should definitely subscribe to Anubong's YouTube channel and follow him on the socials. And you know where you can reach me on social media? I'm at Tankerl on both Instagram and Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, drop the vowels. If you want to chat about this podcast with me and Anubong, hit us up on Twitter, you know. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments, and your feedback. And of course, there is a couple of YouTube channels you should subscribe to that are complement to this podcast. They're basically visual content to go with the podcast. And that's youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast and youtube.com slash mobile tech more. The uh, podcast one is the main channel and it's basically all my unboxing videos, some hands-ons, also the audio stuff. I put the earbuds and headphones in there sometimes as well. The uh, other channel, the mobile tech more channel is kind of the supplemental stuff. So home automation, car tech, travel tech, anything that's peripheral to mobile. So check them out. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, click the notification icon, comment. And you can comment about the podcast if you have a question. You don't want to use the social. That's totally fine. I'll answer. So find you on YouTube. Hopefully you'll be there. And then, of course, the podcast itself lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So subscribe, tell your friends. And remember, if your app lets you review or rate the show, consider doing that. It really helps uh, people discover the podcast. There is a Patreon. I mentioned it, patreon.com slash tankerl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. 
I want to thank my patrons for helping and supporting. You know, podcasts are hard to monetize. So anything that's a little extra can help. And we've got some great tiers there on uh, Patreon for you. So we've got uh, a Discord server you can join and chat with me. We've got a video version of the podcast comes out a day or two before the audio version. It's a little bit more raw and less edited and you get to maybe see some of the stumbles and fun things we do in there and uh, get to see some visuals, the phones that we're talking about, like the Reno 7 Pro that Enrobong held up earlier. So please consider helping us. I want to thank Mikkel B who joined this week. Thank you, Mikkel, for being a new patron. Check it out, patreon.com slash that's patreon.com slash tankgirl. If you don't want to do Patreon and you want to help, I get it. There's another way you can help. There is a PayPal link in the show notes. So buy me a coffee, click through, put a little donation in there and help me out. I'd appreciate it. You know, I like a good coffee before my show. It wakes me up. So anyway, I also want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible is being with us forever and they're great. If you're a bookworm like me and you love to read, you already know about Audible. They're like the premier platform for audiobooks. Basically, I like to read, but my eyes are often tired and I just rather listen to somebody read me a book. So that's where Audible comes in. So if I'm on a plane, it's too dark. I just don't want to fire up a screen. I just listen. If I'm driving on a long road trip and I need to be attentive, but I also need to be entertained, I listen to a book on Audible. It's great. So they have a ton of selection. They have books read by the authors, which I really like. They have shorter content and they have some podcasts. Basically, there's a bit of everything there for everyone. The deal is simple. You get a 30-day pre-trial. You get to keep a book if you stay or not. I think you'll stay because you'll love it. And if you do, it helps me and it helps Audible. So consider doing that. AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech. That's AudibleTrial.com slash mobile tech. So thanks again to Audible and thanks again to you, Enobong, for being my guest. Thank you very much. It's always been a pleasure. Absolutely. We'll have you on at some point in the future for sure. And folks, you know we'll have a show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.